these few weeks leading up to Easter, we've been looking at um, Jesus is, is our example of how uh, crucifixion becomes before resurrection, how death comes before, before a new life. And uh, looking at a few different things that we believe that Lord really wants to highlight for us as a church family on what he wants to crucify and put to death in us so that we may experience the fullness of the life that Jesus has for us. Uh, We've been kind of being root, we're rooted in uh, a couple of verses from John chapter 12. You know, we got a little time. Let's, let's go there. John 12, 23 through 26. And this is, again, right after Jesus does his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And uh, we celebrate on Palm Sunday. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you're awesome. Save us. And then Jesus is getting ready for uh, his death and resurrection. And... He says this to his disciples in John 12, 23. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am... There will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Jesus is about to be glorified, put to position of honor, be lifted up, be exalted. Um, and, and he knew what that meant, to be exalted and raised up from the dead and placed at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realm. But his disciples had no idea what this meant. They thought it meant like this physical uprising, a physical kingdom. And they're like, yeah, we can't wait for you to be glorified. But Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, I will be glorified, not in the ways that you think. I will be exalted and lifted high and glorified. Um, but before that takes place, death first needs to come. And he gives this parable of a seed and how a seed, you know, is part of a fruit or something. And it dies and goes to, rots, goes to the ground, dies and goes in the ground. The outer shell breaks up, you know, dies and the inner part breaks forth and another tree grows. And he's saying, listen, it's, it's like that. He's talking about himself, like unless I die, I remain alone. But I, I'm going to die and, and so that that fruit would grow and be multiplied. And that's part of the gospel, is that when we come to Jesus Christ, our old life dies, and we are now given the very life of Christ. Christ himself comes and dwells within us. The seed, the imperishable seed of his life is planted within us. And then that begins to grow and mature and bear fruit. What fruit? The fruit of Christ's likeness in us. But the path that Jesus walked of death before this resurrection is the path that we're invited to walk as well as death the crucifixion before we experience the resurrected life. That we have the life of Christ that dwells and is planted in us, but we have to daily make the decision for us to walk the path of uh, allowing ourselves, our old selves, our sinful nature, our own wills, agendas, desires, plans, hopes, dreams, gifts, etc., our own sinful desires that continue to be put to death so that the life of Christ would be experienced in us and multiplied in us. That, that's God's desire. It's, it's not, these things are yes, so we can experience the fullness of life that God has for us. That's true. But it's not just so that we can experience this life, but so that life can be manifested in us and other people can see it and glorify the Lord when they see this. You see, God's design from the very beginning was that the glory of the Lord would fill the earth. Like water covers the sea. Like it just covers the earth. God's character, who God is, his essence, his awe, his splendor, his wonder would fill the earth. And all of his creation would behold it and worship him for it. The way that takes place, in part, is that he's implanted his life in us. And as we grow into maturity, 
His glory then fills the earth as we grow in Christ's likeness and people see it and worship Him and adore Him. So this morning is no different as we've looked at in these past number of weeks is the Lord wants to put to death things in us so that His life may grow and manifest in us. And the thing that I want to talk about this morning of what uh, we see in Jesus and I think what we're invited into this morning of what needs to be put to death is the idea of comfort. We see Jesus as an example of how comfort is put to death so he can experience the fullness of what God has for him and God can be fully glorified in that. We see this in Jesus' life. Take a peek at Mark 15. Mark 15, verse 16. We're going to read through 32. It's a decent chunk. All right, this is after Jesus is arrested, and now it gets into his crucifixion. Mark 15, 16. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace. That is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him, that's talking about Jesus, they clothed Jesus in a purple cloak. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews! And they were striking his head with the reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put on his own, his own clothes on him and they led him out to be crucified. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews and with him. They crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, mocked him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. You know, Jesus, when he was in the garden, he knew what was coming up. He knew the suffering. And, and you don't know to, like, to what degree did he know the suffering was coming, but he, he knew it wasn't just going to be physical suffering and torment. He knew that he was going to be drinking the cup of judgment, drinking the cup of suffering, that upon him was going to bear the weight of the sin of the entire world. And, and he, just, he just knew that the weight that was coming. And that's why when he's in the garden, right before he's arrested and, and this whole thing takes place, He's like, okay, Lord, if there's another way, let's let this cup pass for me. If there's any other way to do this, I'm, I'm down with that. But, he says, 
Not my will be done, but your be done. He, he had this understanding of like, oh, Lord, this is going to require great suffering. This is going to require great sacrifice. This is going to require great pain, great struggle. But he's saying, like, I'm, I'm relinquishing my control to you. I'm relinquishing my own comfort to you, God. Not my will be done, but yours be done. I'm willing to do whatever you want because, God, I, I know this is the path. This is the plan from the beginning. This is so that scripture would be fulfilled, that you would restore and bring back uh, your, lost, your lost sons and daughters to yourself, that you would bring back the lost sheep, that you would reconcile the broken relationships with humanity with you, God, that this is the, this is the path, this is the way forward, I know. But, ooh, if there's another way. But he says, no, 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 I will do whatever you want, God, because I will do whatever is necessary so that your name would be glorified. Now, it's easy to say that, right? It's easy for us to be like, Jesus, I'll do whatever you want. I'll do anything you want, God. I'll do anything until that time of testing comes when it's really put to the test if we're really going to be willing to go through whatever we're asked to do regardless of the cost. Am I right? Jesus here is put to the test. He's starting to experience the, the weight of that sin. He's starting to experience the suffering. He's just starting to experience the mocking, the ridicule, where he's beat up and he's mocked. He is the true king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And they take that lightly. They spit on him. They mock him like, oh, what a king, all beat up here, hanging on the cross. And as he's hanging on the cross, they had no idea. They didn't even understand that they were die- he was dying in their place. His blood that was being shed on that cross that they were mocking and ridiculing and didn't think twice of, it was their sins that he was atoning for. And he gets to this point. I, I mean, beyond the physical suffering, right? Where he's pushing up on the nail in his feet to get a breath. After he's been beaten and he's just feeling the weight of the sin. The people don't even understand what he's doing. And, and then they say something really interesting. They're like, oh, oh man. I thought you were a big deal. I thought you were such a big deal. Why don't you just get down already? If you're the king of kings, if you're the true Messiah, if you're the one with all this great power and might, why don't you do it then? Why don't you get down? Hop on down from the cross. Show us how strong you are. Show us how amazing you are. Get down from the cross. Then maybe we'll believe in you. And I think, I bet Jesus was actually tempted to get himself down from the cross. Anyway, Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. And I think we are often tempted to not walk in obedience to the Lord when it gets uncomfortable. Jesus here is to the point of incredible discomfort where they're saying, why don't you get down? Get down. He says this earlier in like Matthew. I think I have this. Matthew 26, 53. When he's being arrested, he says this uh, of his power and ability. Matthew 26, 53. "Do Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. It's like thousands and thousands and thousands of angels. But how then should scripture be fulfilled? That it must be so. I mean, he's saying then now, and I imagine he had that same thought of like, yeah, that's what I could do. I could just ask the Father, and he'll send down thousands of angels, and he'll just come with like the swords and just like wipe out all these people, and I'll just hop down from the cross. But he knew. This was the Father's plan from the beginning, that he would be exalted and glorified, and that he would rescue a people for himself. And Jesus knew that the only way that that was going to be possible was through him willing to humble himself to the point of death and death on the cross. Jesus approached the point of being uncomfortable and discomfort and saying, I'm willing to be obedient to the Lord, even if it costs me my life and even if it's incredibly uncomfortable. I think for a lot of us, at least for me, 
I love the idea of being obedient to the Lord to the point where it's even like a little bit uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, yeah, it's kind of exciting and awesome. It's like just a hair outside of my comfort zone I'm down with. But am I willing to go all the way? Am I willing to do whatever the Lord asks, even if it's incredibly uncomfortable for me to do? See, I think the thing that I, I, I've had to wrestle with is like when I'm, when I get to the point of being uncomfortable, I do all sorts of things to try to grab comfort. I'm uncomfortable, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just sit down and watch TV. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to talk to friends. I'm whatever, whatever things that we may do, when we're in, in place of discomfort, we try to create our own comfort. And I think what the Lord exposes in this is when he takes us to a place of discomfort, he's saying, will you trust me to be the source of your comfort in that? See, it's not that comfort is wrong. It's not that comfort is bad. I don't want you to think like, Okay, if I have any comfort in my life, it's a horrible, rotten thing. The, the point isn't discomfort. The point is obedience to the Lord so that he is glorified and exalted. And sometimes that obedience leads to a place of discomfort. And are we willing to go there? And when we, okay, because here's what happens. Here's what I don't want you to hear, right? Is when you're starting to discern from the Lord, like, what does God want me to do? We have this temptation where we, we, like, we go the other side of it and we say, well, whatever the hardest path is, that's the Lord's plan. Well, if, if it's the path of the most discomfort, that must be the Lord. M- maybe, but maybe not. The point isn't to chase discomfort. The point is to walk in obedience to the Lord. Likewise, the point isn't to chase comfort. It's to walk in obedience to the Lord. There will be seasons of where it's, just, it's peace, it's rest, and there's going to be seasons, and some of you are in those seasons today where it's hard and it's difficult. And the Lord is calling you out there so that he can manifest his glory and his splendor and his might in you and through you. And the question that I've had to wrestle with this week is, in the midst of that, do I trust that the Lord is going to be my source of comfort? Because it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. May the, uh, I should just read I don't remember the second part. It's like chapter, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, I think it is. Maybe. Yes. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercy and the God of what? How much comfort? Oh, isn't that awesome? Like, when we are in the position where we're uncomfortable, we are able to turn to the God who possesses all comfort. You see, God, God is going to ask us to step out in things and do things for him. But he, he equips us with the, the power to do so. But that, that's part of the reason why he's given us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. And sometimes I wonder if we don't experience more of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. is because we're not walking in obedience to the Lord in the things where he's called us to step into that are in a place of discomfort. Where then the Spirit of God can come and comfort us. I want to pray for something really quick. There is a prevailing lie that tends to attack in this area. 
I think one of the things that, right, when we're confronted with discomfort and the things that the Lord wants us to step into, we get to a place of discomfort, and we're like, nah, 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 I don't want to do it. And I think it's beyond just that we're not willing to be inconvenienced. I think it's beyond uh, just not wanting to be in a place of discomfort. I think it gets down to a fundamental lie about the character of God himself. That do we believe that where he asks us to step out, he is the God of all comfort, and get this, that he is good that in his goodness, he will comfort us when we are weak and when we are grieving and when we are struggling. So I just want to do a quick prayer on that. Okay. If you're new to Moran Park, this may make you feel uncomfortable, but it's totally normal. So don't, don't worry about it. Um, I'm going to ask you just to take a step of faith. If you're just struggling this morning to believe in God's goodness, that God will actually provide comfort for you in a place of discomfort, that God is the source of all comfort and that comfort's for you, that he's good and he wants your good, um, I'm just going to invite you to stand up so we can pray for you, okay? Anybody else? This is awesome. Appreciate your honesty because it allows us to love you and care for you. Um, wow, you're not evenly proportioned. That's okay. You know what? I could pray for you, but we believe that you all get to pray for one another and the equipping of the saints. So we're going to make you do the work here real quick this morning, and then I'll get back to doing some teaching. I'm going to invite you. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Again, totally normal if you're new, new to Moran Park, but um, I'm going to invite you to, if you're near them, could you just gather around them and ask them if there's something specific they want prayer for? Otherwise, just pray for them. If they're comfortable, lay hands and shoulders only, please. That'd be great. Um, ask them if they're comfortable laying hands. Lay hands and pray for them in this regard, and then we'll, we'll bring it back together. Go ahead, Moran Park. Love them, care for them, pray for them. And if you're not near someone, I just encourage you to st extend a hand to someone that's around you and just pray for them on your own as you extend a hand towards their direction. Yes, God, I ask that you would grow our faith here this morning, that we believe that you are the God of all comfort, that you will comfort us, God, in our time of need. God, we trust that you are the true source of comfort, Lord Jesus, that the comfort of this world pales in comparison to your comfort, God. So, God, I ask that you would build faith in, your, in us to believe your character, believe that you are good, believe that you will provide for us, Lord Jesus. God, where we're lacking faith, I ask that you would increase that faith this morning. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May you grab a seat. I think this this path of um, this path of allowing the Lord to put to death our comfort um, is the path that we're invited into as well. Jesus said, right, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross and, and follow me. That he's promising the, the newness of life. He's promising the fullness of life. But for us to experience it requires the death of the old. I mean, Paul, Paul understood this. If you look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul, Paul's saying this about his own life, and his own journey, his own wrestling with this. And, and he said, whatever, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And may share in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul knew, like, of all things, I want to simply know Christ. And as he's to know Christ, then as he's going he's gonna to follow him. As he knows him, he wants to please him. Anything else in life, he sees, it, 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 it's, it, even the comforts of this life, it, it pales in comparison to knowing him. He says, I'm willing to lay it all down and give it all up to, for the sake of knowing him. But then toward the end here, it says, it says this, if you jump back to verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Like, this is, this is the promise. The same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that dwells within us. What's available to us today is the power of the resurrection. Jesus is the king seated on the throne in the heavenly realm where he reigns and rules over all things. His power is available to us, the resurrected power that raises from the dead, that takes things from death towards life, takes things from the pit and brings them out of of despair into freedom. That same resurrected power is available for us in this life as well as the life to come. We love the idea of the resurrected life. Well, oh, Lord, give it to me in my workplace. Oh, I need the resurrection power in my marriage, right? Your marriage is dying. You need the resurrected power of the Lord to come bring it out from death to life. You need the resurrection power to rip you out of addiction to this, that, or whatever into freedom. You need the resurrection power to bring you out of just being a jerk into, right? I'm not looking at anyone on that one, but like... Um, we, we, like in so many areas of our lives, like I, I need the resurrected power of Jesus. But in order to receive the resurrected power of Jesus, it, it comes through allowing him to put to death the old, our old self. Right, he says it right here, right after, right, right after, right? He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And then, and, and then it says this, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. This resurrection life doesn't come except through the crucifixion of our old life. But it's no longer I who lives, 
That's the first thing. My old self is dead. My own sinful nature, my own sinful desires. Where I'm in control, where I'm the boss. It is no longer I who lives, it says in Galatians 2.20, but Christ who lives within me. The old goes before the new comes. Paul says it's like over and over. Put to death, therefore, and put on Christ. He says this in uh, Romans 6. It says, you have been crucified with Christ. Right? Your old sinful nature, but we have to have an active part in keeping that old thing dead. Because it wants to rear its ugly head. Where we want to determine where our comfort comes from. We want to determine how we do this and that rather than turning toward the Lord and say, Oh, I want to know your resurrection power in all these areas of my life. Because we get to experience the resurrected power and we get to display his resurrection power to the world so that he may be glorified and exalted. For Ryan Park, that's going to happen. It comes through our death. Where we say my whole life is on the altar. My own comfort is on the altar. My control, my consumerism, everything is on the altar. You do what you got to do, Lord Jesus, so that you would be exalted and lifted high. I, I believe the Lord's calling us into obedience. Again, it's not chasing comfort, not chasing discomfort, but chasing the Lord and going wherever he says to go so that his name is exalted. I, I think there's a lot of areas where we want to be obedient to the Lord, but honestly, we keep falling back into wanting to pursue comfort. We'll be obedient to the point of discomfort, and then we're like, okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, that's far enough. Like, even, right, we spent a couple of weeks going through all this series of questions you asked. And if I'm gonna, like, if I'm gonna summarize that series and those teachings, I think what the Lord was getting at for us at Rand Park is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Savior, amen, yes, amen, but Jesus is also the Lord. He is the boss, he's in control, he's the one that is worthy of our praise and adoration in our whole lives. And are, willing, are we willing to give him lordship of every area, my entertainment, my, oh, I don't need to go through those things again, right? But, I mean, I was amazed at a lot of those testimonies because so many people were confronted with specific things that the Lord was asking of them so they could experience the resurrected power of the, of the life of Jesus in them and through them. That God was asking them to give up certain things. Like, wait, how many people testified to giving up Netflix or entertainment? I don't know about you, but that gets right to the point of uncomfortable for me. <laughs> you mean I have to, have to sit and talk? I mean, all that, right? <laughs> but uh, how often? It's like, I'll, I'll, I'll give it, I mean, I'll give up a little bit for you, but the Lord didn't ask for a little bit. He asked for all of it. Are we willing to do it even to the point of discomfort? We love the idea, I think we read Acts 2 and Acts 4, and it's like, man, they just loved each other like crazy in the New Testament. Am I right? There was not a need among them. And we have this idea where we, I think, romanticize it and sensationalize it. It's like, oh, it's awesome. We just got together every night, and they were just my bestest friends, and we just laughed together, ha, 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 and dined together and met everyone's needs, and it was awesome. And then we did it again tomorrow with all these incredible people. I mean, that's probably not how it happened most days. Most days it's like, man, Joe is really annoying me today. <laughs> but I'm called to love him. So I'm going to love him anyway. Man, Tina, I gave her money the other day because she needed it, and she blew it on something that she, she said she wasn't going to do. And uh, now I'm called to love her, and the Lord's telling me to give her more money. So... Uh, I don't want, I don't, but I was going to use this money to go on vacation, and uh, I just, okay, 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 fine. I'm going to be obedient to the Lord, even when it's uncomfortable. 
Listen, if we're going to step in as a church and like really love each other, it is so uncomfortable because people are weird. <laughs> and they're hard. Some of us are hard to love. Some of us, when it's like, I don't, I'm not getting loved back the way I think I should be loved. I'm giving out love. I mean, there's all sorts of things where we're, we're going to get to the point of, oh, this is, un- oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't like this anymore. I want to quit. That's the point we press in and say, no, the Lord has told us to love one another. We're going to do it where it hurts. And the Lord will provide what we need to accomplish the goal of loving one another. Even right, this back row stuff. If we're going to actually step into this stuff, it's going to require the discomfort of like at night having to give someone a ride or be available for someone. It's like, but I'm tired. It's been a long day at work. It's, it, it's inconveniencing my schedule. Or to make a meal for someone, it's like, ah, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. But what an incredible way to love one another the way Christ loved us. I think there's a few other ways that we, we seek our own comfort. Um, how often are we willing to serve the Lord when it lines up with my passions? Right? Heck yeah, Lord, I'll do that. I'm passionate about that, yeah. You want me to share the gospel? Yep, love it. Let's go. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to be a shepherd and like just be available and love them and listen to them and care for them. I'm not really a shepherd, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go out here and just share the gospel because that's what I'm passionate about and that's where I'm gifted at. Subtle, but I would say if we're not careful, that is actually not being obedient to the Lord and allowing our discomfort from walking in full obedience. Now, I'm not saying just go do whatever you want. You've got to listen to the Spirit. Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. The Spirit will guide us and lead us. But if the Spirit says, go shepherd someone and love them, and you're not very good at it, awesome! What an incredible opportunity for God to form you more into the image of Christ. The one who is the perfect shepherd, what an opportunity to shape you more into Christ's likeness in the area of shepherding. Some of you are like, I'm not going to share the gospel. I don't do that. I don't like that. I'm not passionate about it. I'm not gifted at it. Hey, if the Lord tells you to do it, what an opportunity in your weakness for him to manifest his power. That's awesome. We ask him. Yes, oftentimes he uses our passion. Yes, oftentimes he uses our gifts. But sometimes he loves the idea of putting you in situations where you're in over your head so you stop relying on yourself, your own power, your own gifts, and you rely on him. So that when the Lord shows up, people are like, wow, you did an amazing thing. Because you're in the corner, like, basically peeing your pants. You were so nervous about the whole deal. Just going, it wasn't me, it was the Lord Jesus. He loves to do that. But if we're only going to be obedient to the point of things I'm comfortable with, then we don't get the opportunity to experience that in our own lives and display it to other people. Again, Asking the Lord, I'm not saying just go do this, do this. Ask the Lord what he wants and as he speaks, walking in obedience. Okay. I got like 50 of these things. I'm just discerning which ones. Okay, here's another one. I think this is what I, I have a tendency to do a lot too. Is just like the, the Lord growing the life of Jesus in me, growing the fruit of the Spirit in me. But then there are just some areas of my life where I'm not really willing to give up uh, that because that's, that's part of my personality of the old flesh, the old man. And it's just a heck of a lot of work to try to deal with that and let the Lord do that. So I th- we say things like, yeah, I know, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm an impatient person. It's just kind of who I am. Or I'm an angry person. It's just kind of like, it's just who I am. Well, 
Yeah, like that's who you are in the flesh. Like that's who you are in the old man. But that person's put to death and now it's no longer you who lives, but Christ lives within you. He wants to keep that thing dead and manifest Christ's likeness and the fruit of the spirit in you. So we can't just be like, oh, this is who I am. That's who you were. And yes, it's a lot of work when the Lord's like, hey, I want that area of your heart. I want to work on patience in you. I want to grow you in steadfastness. I want to grow you in pursuit of me when it's hard, when the emotions aren't there. Whatever it may be. The Lord wants to do that. If we start walking in obedience only when it's comfortable, we'll be like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm not going to be willing to let the Lord do that work in my heart. When we say, I'm willing to let you have all of me, Lord, even if it's uncomfortable, we let the Lord in and say, have at it. That's not of you. Rip it out. Prune. Yank. Tug. So that you will bear more fruit in me. The fruit of Christ's likeness. So that you will be glorified. There's a, there's a lot of talk these days about um, self-care. You ever heard of that? Self-care. I, I love the heart behind it. Well, I, I think I love the heart behind it. I'm just like, we can go, go, go and get caught up in the, the machine of this life of just rolling and rolling where you're just exhausted and burned out. So I get the, I get the heart behind that of saying like, okay, cool, we need to like care for ourselves. But here's where I would caution you. Are you determining what your care looks for, like? Are you determining what your comfort looks like? Are you allowing the Lord to determine what your comfort looks like? Because I think so often, you're like, I'm obeying the Lord. I'm doing what he wants. I'm like going here and there, and it's really uncomfortable. That's why I need to go over here and do some self-care. So I'm just going to go ahead and get my bottle of wine and watch Netflix all night. Now listen, I'm not saying those things are always inherently, inherently wrong. But the question is, have you asked the Lord how he wants to comfort you? If we're not careful, we can make comfort all about ourselves and the goal. The goal is not for us to pursue comfort. The goal for us is not to pursue our own discomfort. Our goal in life is to pursue and follow Jesus. Trusting he will provide for what we need as we follow him. Does that make sense? Listen. You see, I'm not trying to be critical, right? I love the heart behind it. But if we're not careful, we can say, no, I'm doing self-care today. I can't walk in obedience. I know the Lord wants me to serve this person. I know the Lord wants me to love this person. I know the Lord wants me to open up my home. I know the Lord wants me to reach out to this. But I can't. I got a self-care day thing going on for this week. Like maybe if the Lord tells you to do that, then, then give yourself some space. Go walk in the way. Do whatever the Lord tells you to do to, to revive your soul. But if the Lord is telling you to walk in obedience, let's not use the excuse of I need a day of comfort so that I can't walk in obedience today. Listen, look. I know you'd be like, oh, but what about this? I, I get it. Chill. Okay. The, the, listen, okay. Mm, um, mm. <laughs> this, this is the case every week. E every week. You have your unique situation. You have your unique thing. You've, you've got what's going on in your life. And, I'm, and you just need to take it to the Lord and go, God, what do you have to say to me today about this?
Some of you this morning, the Lord is telling you to slow down and just chill out. And he wants to simply have you rest with him and he wants to comfort your soul. Some of us this morning, the Lord's told us to step into something and we're not stepping into it because it makes us incredibly uncomfortable. And the Lord's saying, step today. I, I do wonder, like what, what would it look like at Moran Park and beyond in our city and beyond? What would it look like if we were walking around as people that continue to experience the resurrected power of Jesus? What would it look like if, if we experienced it and we demonstrated that to one another in our own lives, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our, you know, et cetera, et cetera? What if we did that? What incredible testimony to the power and goodness of the Lord that he would be glorified. But in order for that to happen, Moran Park, that starts, I think, with us today examining our own hearts and say, but what part, what part of me needs to be put to death? Is there something that I'm worshiping in return regards to comfort that needs to be put to death so that the resurrected life of Jesus may be manifested in me? So let's do that. Let's take a second. Let's close your eyes for a second. I want to just pray and ask the Lord to speak to us. God, I ask that you would expose in us and, and lovingly and graciously show us what, what areas are we willing to, um, that, that we're just holding on to, that, that we're afraid to let go because of, of comfort. God, it makes me think of the, the parable, the rich young, not the parable, the story of the rich young ruler, where the rich young ruler comes to you and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he lists all these commands. He's like, I've done these things. And he says, yes, 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 but one thing you lack, go and sell and give everything to the poor. God, what's, what's, is there one thing in us that we need to give back to you? Is there one thing that we're holding on to that we're, we're seeking comfort from that's other than you? Is there one thing that we're, we're not walking in obedience to you, God, and experiencing the life that you have for us, God, because of we're holding on to because we're, we don't want to walk in discomfort? keep praying, but I'm going to invite the band up as we continue to pray. God, how, uh, how incredible it is it is that you've given us new life. How incredible it is that you've rescued us from death and brought us into new life. How incredible is it that you brought us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your son. <laughs> That's awesome. How undeserving we are, oh God. And God, you've purchased us new life in Jesus Christ. And God, would you give us the grace to walk in the fullness of that newness of life. God, we repent of making comfort an idol. 
we repent of seeking comfort above you. We repent, God, of seeking comfort from things other than you. I thank you now for the promise that those, my brothers and sisters, who are about to walk into to difficult things or those that are in the midst of struggles right now, just in the midst of difficulty and hardship, God, that those who are following you and like, ah, I know you're here somewhere, but like, oh, where, where are you, God? God, I ask that now that you would show them your nearness, God, that you would manifest your presence to them, God, that you would manifest your comfort to them today, God. I thank you, God, that you are the God of all comfort. Would you pour out generously your comfort to Moran Park this morning? And God, that you would give us opportunities then to comfort one another with your comfort too. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. This is the same with every other week. Is there's always this temptation, like I just need to get out of here, go here and like try harder to do this. I need to go make sure I try hard to put to death this discomfort. This is the story throughout the whole Bible where people would be in places of discomfort. They'd go to the Lord like, God, you comfort us. God, you comfort us. Then they get comfortable and they turn away from the Lord. Like that, that's our story. On our own, you're not going to be able to put to death comfort. You're going to ease back into following the Lord only when it's convenient. But that's one of the reasons why Jesus came. Jesus was the one who did what we could not do, who put to death comfort and followed the Father to the point of death on the cross. God's not asking us to try hard to put to death our own comfort, but to cry out to him and say, God, I can't do it on my own. But Jesus, you, the perfect one who put to death comfort, dwells within me. God, would you manifest that kind of work in my life? That's why we can praise the Lord with, with adoration. That's why we can praise the Lord with assurance. That's why we can praise the Lord with hope. That whatever your situation is, it's not because you're going to be able to try hard enough when you leave here today, but because he is powerful enough to do the work in us. That's worth celebrating. So let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord.